This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey everybody, Elon here with a special bonus midweek episode of Keeping Carlson for you. I was lucky to be joined by the managing editor of Dauber Prospects and co-host of the Dauber Prospects podcast, Peter Harling. We had a great chat all about all of the different prospects and rookies coming to this season that maybe Brian and I don't know as much about, so I think you're really going to like it. This is coming off the heels of our crazy four-hour episode that we released last weekend with the commentary of Brian's auction draft, the couple tier one auction draft. So definitely you've gotten your fill of Keeping Carlson this week. If you've been enjoying all of this content, please head over to iTunes, give us a five-star review. We'd really appreciate it. But with that, let's cue our awesome new interview music and enjoy my interview with Peter Harling. Everybody, we are very lucky to be joined today by the managing editor for Dauber Prospects, Peter Harling. Thanks for joining us, Peter. Thank you very much for having me. It's pretty cool to be on your show. We've said for a while, Brian and I, that prospects are not our forte. We like to look at NHL lines and see what player situations are in order to determine how good we think someone's going to be. And we like to look at previous year's stats and just what's going on with prospects. I just feel so in the dark. Like, How do you even go about projecting these players who have never even played a game in the NHL? Uh, it's, it's not easy. Uh, Craig Button says that scouts get it wrong 75% of the time. So if you can get it right 25% of the time, I think you're doing a pretty good job. We've had a couple episodes on our own podcast now, and, uh, some of the guests we've had on are, are scouts like Guts Casaros from McKean's and Russ Cohen from Hockey Prospect Radio. And, and these are the exact same questions I asked them. How do they watch a player and project if they have the stuff to make it to the NHL? And their answers vary. There's nothing unanimous. So I think there's a lot of luck that goes into it. Watching the player at least three times live um, helps a lot. So I think there's some particular attributes and things that you can look for when watching players, particularly at any level. But in junior, uh, skating for starters, players that can't skate at an above average level at the age group or level that they're in, really don't have much of a chance unless they can improve their skating because in the NHL right now, skating is it's the number one commodity. If they have uh, quick feet, good hands, they have to be more than just fast. Like Breakaway speed is nice. It's a great attribute and it'll serve you well, but you have to have more than that. Like, you have to be able to use your speed and do something with it and use it to your advantage. Got to have quick hands, be able to have to to do something with the puck and combine that with your speed, you know, be able to skate faster than your competition and carry the puck and deke around players and keep your head up all at the same time while under duress. Right. So yeah, lots of these factors about the player themselves and how they do it. Obviously it makes sense. I guess lucky for us in fantasy, 
the players have already been drafted by NHL teams, so we hope that they have at least you know, achieved that level of like being able to make it to the NHL. Now we get to the point as drafting for, for fantasy hockey, like I feel like the job's maybe not as hard as a scout picking from people just on minor league teams to see if they deserve to be in the NHL. But now trying to decide if someone's worth a spot on your fantasy team, especially when there's actual people who have NHL experience that you have available to you. But there's always rookies every year who break out and put up like 40, 50 points for a forward or 30, 40 points for a defenseman. I find it really tough to know who that's going to be until, you know, we see a couple of months of seasons play. Sure. One thing you can do is is you can look at the opportunity that presents itself on the NHL roster. For example, the Toronto Maple Leafs have a bevy of talented players that all look like they have upside. You know, Nylander, Marner, Matthews, Shostakov, Hyman, Andreas Johnson, Levo, Leipzig, the list goes on. And you start, you look at each one of those individual players and you think, do they have a skill set that I think could translate to the NHL? Maybe they do. Do they excel at one particular area? Do they have great speed? Do they play really physically? Do they have a wicked shot? Something that can get them to the NHL. All those players have one particular skill set that they're really good at, but not all of them are going to make it onto the Maple Leafs because there's only so many spots, right? You obviously think that Nylander, Marner, and Matthews have the inside track on three spots, and then you've got established NHL veterans already there. So... As much as you might look at a prospect like Andreas Johnson and think, wow, he did really, really well. He put up great stats playing in pro hockey in in Sweden for the last couple of years. He's going to be great. Well, whose job is he going to take? How is he going to fit into the roster? Those are the kind of things you need to, some of the things you need to look at. Right. And I guess for someone like him, he could just be a guy you keep in the back of your mind. There's always injuries throughout the season. They bring in people from the minors. I don't know. Different players have different situations of what they're allowed to be brought up and not. But maybe he's someone just when he gets called up, people could jump on him if you think he's going to be great. I know Soshnikov, I just saw in Roto World recently that he's going to be starting the season in the AHL. So that makes things easier. But I'd love to just get into some of these players with you and find out what you think about their fantasy upside for this year and then also in keeper leagues. And you've mentioned these Toronto guys. Matthews, Marner, and Nylander. How would you rank them in terms of what you think they're going to do this season in terms of fantasy value? Like even just straight up points. I assume Matthews is going to be the guy you want of the three? Yeah, Matthews would be my first choice. You look at what he's done in the last year. It's it's very, very impressive. He went and he started playing a season in pro hockey in Switzerland against men. And former NHL coach Mark Crawford called him the best player in the league at 18 years old. And keep in mind, he only missed last year's NHL entry draft by 72 hours. Oh, wow. Yeah, he, he was three days too late for the draft on his birthday. So he's not that young. He's actually quite old for an entry draft player, um, almost an entire year older. So if he was eligible for that draft, do you think he would have been drafted ahead of Jack Eichel? It's fun to think that because uh, if he doesn't get drafted second overall, if he goes third, you know who had the third overall pick? That was Arizona. It'd be quite a story to have the poster boy for Arizona hockey playing there. Um, That would have been a storybook dream come true for him, I'm sure. Right. Well, he's stuck with me in Toronto. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so like I was saying, um, playing against men in in Switzerland last year was was very impressive. And then he made it onto the American World Junior team, of course, and was, was pretty dominant and had a strong showing there, so much so that he earned contention for the World Championship. USA team and he started there in a support role you know fourth line kind of guy and by the time the tournament was over he worked his way up onto the top line 
And in one of the metal games, it was in overtime, I think, they were playing the check. And uh, he was on the ice going to take a draw, and the referees said, you've got a helmet malfunction, you need to trade. Um, so he went to the bench, but you know, Team USA, instead of taking one of their NHL roster players and throwing him over the boards, they said, no, no, take an NHL player off our bench, take his helmet, and you get back in there. He was one of their very best players. And then again, in the, the World Cup of Hockey that we just had, he made the team... You know, not in a first line capacity, but by the time the tournament was over, he was playing on the first line and looking great. I, I wouldn't say dominating, but, but he was excelling. Uh, so I think you can look at the same thing as a projection for him this year with Toronto. Mike Babcock's already said he's looking at him at the third line center, so that's likely where he'll start. But I don't think it'll take long for him to force his way up the roster, and probably by American Thanksgiving, he'll be the least number one center. Wow, so not only do you think he'll jump ahead of Bozak, but Kadri also. Yeah. And so last season, I'm looking at the Leafs' point leaders. Nazem Kadri led the Leafs in points with 45, though it's fair to point out that James Van Riemsdyk had 29 points in 40 games. So he could have had a 60-point year if he had played the full season, if he stayed at that pace. So can we expect, like, 60 points? Is that a reasonable expectation for Austin Matthews? And am I being even too conservative by asking if that's reasonable? No, I, I think a, a lot of the projections that I've seen for Matthews have him anywhere between 50 and, and 60 points with potential for plus. The thing that's working against him is he's playing on the worst team in the NHL, so he doesn't have a lot of support. You know, Line A in, in Winnipeg has got a much better situation that he's going into, and when Crosby broke into the NHL with Pittsburgh, he had Malkin and, and a couple other already established and, and, and strong players playing with him. Um, you know, Matthews has got a couple of kids, an injury-prone JVR, Kadri and Bozak. Not great. <laughs> All right, so okay. So you're saying people shouldn't set their sights too high for this season. Hopefully some of these kids, like you say, will turn into really good players that he'll have with him for the next few years. So in a keeper league, it's a whole other story. But if you have Matthews at around 50 to 60 points, where does that put Marner and Nylander for this season? Marner is a bit more of a wild card for me than Nylander is. I think Nylander is going to play the entire season in Toronto. He'll make the team right out of the gate, and he'll stay. He'll play in the NHL the whole season, so he's got that going for him. And I've noticed in the preseason they've been playing him on the power play on the point, and the power play goes through Nylander. They were feeding him the, the puck for the one-timer from the point, and he likes to shoot it. Marner, I believe he makes the, the team as well. In the rookie camp, a couple of weeks ago, right before the preseason started, I was watching him play, and he was okay. He was making some offensive plays and playing okay, but I didn't see that wow factor that we're used to seeing him with London Knights making these amazing, no look like, wow, where did that come from? Pass. Um, and Deacon players out of their pants. And starting to see a bit more of that in the preseason, though. He's had some pretty strong games, and he's made some, some pretty creative plays, and, and I said, wow a couple times watching him play. So I think at this point, he's earned himself a look on the roster to start the season. How long he stays there remains to be seen. The nine-game threshold, uh, he could play past that if he plays well. As the season wears on, though, it gets harder and harder, as you know, and uh, rookies that make it and uh, end up in the press box for a couple of games. The Leafs have, like I said, a lot of prospects. They're going to try and work into the rotation and they can go up and down into the AHL that Marner can't. So if they're putting other players in that have been playing hot or just to give them a look, Marner's going to go to the press box. Could end up at the World Juniors. Could ultimately end up being sent back to London. Ole Levy just went back to the London Knights. Tyler Parsons is back. 
Um, Max Jones is back. The London Knights are going to be a stacked team again. So maybe they think, you know, another Memorial Cup couldn't hurt. But uh, if he plays well enough, he's on the roster and he's played well enough to start. So if Marner plays the whole season, I could see him scoring anywhere between 35 to 50 points. And Nylander, I think he's he's a pretty solid 40-point projection this year. Okay, cool. Well, so definitely guys that could be somewhat fantasy relevant while they're on the team. Like you say, maybe not the guys you want to really depend on for 50 points or something like that, especially if you think that Marner could spend some time in the press box. Yeah, I mean, if you can draft players that, like Kyle Turris, that are established players that are consistent and you know what you're getting with these players... Depending on where you are in your draft and how much of your roster you need to fill out, like if, if your active roster is full and you've already got guys like Kyle Torres or better on your active roster and you're filling your bench and reserve players, then why not roll the dice and take a, a prospect like you know Marner or Nylander or Matthews or any of the prospects that we're about to talk to you? Because while they're not necessarily a lock to score you between 40 to 60 points, they have the potential to do that and more they could score even more points where you just don't know, right? But with the established players, you pretty much know what you're getting. I don't see Kyle Turris having an 80-point season with Ottawa this year. Right. Okay, yeah, that's a good point. It really depends on what position this player is taking in your roster. Can you afford to take a bit of a dice roll with the assumption that you might drop the player if they don't work out? Or do you need someone who you can just rely on for the 60 points, like you say, Kyle Turris? I guess since we're on Toronto, I just want to name this guy Nikita Zaitsev. Really, just I've heard his name a lot just recently. I hadn't heard of him, I'll admit, going into the offseason, but he played for Russia in the World Cup, and now in the preseason, he's already got a goal and assist, you know, not to put any weight into preseason scoring, but it's looking like he's going to make the team in Toronto, and from what I've been seeing, like on Twitter, they're saying he might be one of their top two, top four defensemen. Yeah, that's what it looks like. Um, I, I haven't seen him. He's coming from Russia, so I hadn't seen him play before pretty much this summer as well, um, watching him at the World Championship and the World Cup. But before those tournaments, um, Mike Babcock uh, was saying that uh, that he's going to be an immediate top-four pairing defenseman for them. You'd keep in mind with the, some of the guys that are coming from, from Europe sometimes, they're not really prospects per se. Zaitsev's 24 years old and he's been playing pro hockey in the KHL for a long time. There should be a little bit of adjustment with the smaller ice and the whole North American lifestyle for him. But I think he's shown in the tournaments that you just talked about that he's pretty much ready to play at the competition level at the NHL. And his competition on the Leafs blue line isn't really steep once they get past Riley and Gardner. So for him to make it into the top four uh, I don't see that being a problem at all. And is there potential for a power play time as well? Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. So, okay, let's say we're just looking at the rookie defenseman for this season. You know, there's also been a lot of buzz about Provorov in Philadelphia, and then also Wierenski in Columbus has been having a good preseason. I remember also, I don't know how he's been doing so far in the preseason, but Pulak over on the Islanders might have an opportunity to get some power play time. Like, how would you rank... I guess those four guys. Ah, let me also just throw in Ben Hutton since we're at it. I'd love to just get your thoughts on a bunch of these defensemen. We've already talked about Zaitsev, so Provorov, Pulak, Wierenski, Hutton. I think that's that's the list that I could think of. Let me know if I'm missing someone who's a potential impact defenseman for this season. Sure. Uh, all those players, well, Hutton's not a, uh, a rookie. He played last year, and I think he's got the potential to do slightly better than he did last year. Um, you know, But then again, there's the sophomore slump wild card. Yeah, and also a lot of his production came when Alex Edler was injured, and so he was on the top power play and that's probably not going to be the case for him this season but anyways okay forget about Ben Hutton keep going please <laughs> sure um so Pulak on the Islanders I think he's 
eventually going to evolve into a top pairing defenseman with them, and he'll probably get in the neighborhood of 25, 30 points uh, this season. I don't think there's much chance that he doesn't crack the roster. Um, he's been uh, seasoned a little bit. Provorov will be coming right out of the right out of the dub where he dominated last year. There's nothing more for him to gain from playing in, in junior anymore. Um, I believe he'll the Philadelphia roster this season as well. And uh, Philadelphia's got a lot of quality defensemen prospects and Ghost Bears on the roster is ready. I don't see him necessarily taking away power play time from Ghost Bear in his rookie season, but uh, but eventually he's just a better all-around player. Um, I think it won't take long, maybe a year or two, before he evolves into the, the number one defenseman in Philadelphia. And Zach Wierenski finished up uh, his college season last year, looked really strong, played the final seven or so games in, of the regular season in the AHL, it was a bit of an adjustment period for him there. He didn't really stand out, but by the time the playoffs got going, he really uh, he really found his stride, and he was the best player for uh, Lake Erie in their Calder Cup championship. So I don't think there's much chance that he doesn't make the roster as well. We just did a, a Who Would You Rather Have segment on our second podcast, and two of the players that uh, my co-host and I compared were Provorov and Wierenski. And we put a Twitter poll up as well. And it was pretty close to a 50-50 split with a slight edge to Provorov between those two. Okay, yeah, so much meat there. So first of all, I think it's very interesting how you're saying that you think Provorov, maybe not this season, but in the future, might usurp Ghost Bear. And I think a lot of people have Ghost Bear in their keeper leagues, thinking that he's going to be their stud defenseman for years to come, leading that Philadelphia power play. Might be uh, making them a little bit scared right now. Maybe they should at least go grab Provorov if he's available. Well, (laughs) Ghost Bear is, is still going to... Still going to get his minutes. Um, he really carried Philadelphia last year right into the playoffs pretty well. And uh, But Provorov is a better all-around defenseman, and I think he'll play more minutes than Ghost Bear will. But uh, uh, Ghost Bear will definitely, definitely get his share of power play time, and he'll definitely get his minutes too. They'll be the top two pairing, 1-1 one, one, one or 1-A, one however you want to slice it. Uh, another... Uh, defensemen two defensemen rookies who are coming in this season trying to make their teams are is uh troy stetcher in vancouver he's a 22 year old college signee undrafted player coming out of college signed by vancouver and he's been really strong uh in the preseason um had strong rookie and and uh prospect tournaments it's carried that momentum into the training camp and he looks like He's in competition to to make the team. There's uh, about six players vying for the final two defense roster spots. Uh, he and Triamkin are two players that I think are going to win those jobs. Hmm. Yeah, uh, another player who I don't really know much about because he's um, French and he played from France and he played uh, in in Liga in the, the Finnish league last year. His name is Johan Ovita. And he's 27 years old, but he's got, I think, five points in three preseason games so far playing for New Jersey. So I think he's shown that he's got a he's got a job to start the season with the doubles as well. And he could have some fantasy upside. Yeah, that's very interesting, especially because we've been talking kind of all summer about who's going to be on that top power play in New Jersey. And there's no real names that jump out. Like Damon Severson has been the guy that Brian and I have sort of landed on as maybe the guy with the best shot. But maybe... <laughs> What's the name of this person? Yeah, that's a good question. Johan Ovita, A U V I T A. 
Wow, I'm going to admit, this is the first time I've heard his name, and you're saying he's having a great preseason. Could he potentially come in and be, like, the top power play defensive playing with Taylor Hall, or is that, like, too crazy? No, I think that's a possibility. Now, I haven't seen him uh, play. I don't get... I don't, I don't have access to New Jersey preseason games living in Canada, and I haven't seen him play in Liga as well. So I, I've read his prospect profile on Dauber Prospects. Our Finnish correspondent did a profile on him, and he's in some of the, the hockey pool magazines as well. He's got profiles in the forecaster and, and whatnot. So you can read up on him. Uh, he could be a tremendous value pick in a late, late round. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's a good tip. Thanks. And I realized, I guess I missed a couple. There is Shea Theodore over in Anaheim, who everyone got really excited about last year when he came up. I think it was Vatanen who was injured and he came up and got on the top power play for a little bit and had a really nice run before he got sent back down to the minors. I think a lot of people were disappointed because they even dropped players to pick up Shea Theodore. I assume he's going to make the team this year in Anaheim. I guess, correct me if I'm wrong. And then also, what are his chances to have an impact? Well, if he makes the team, he'll have an impact. But like I said earlier about with the Leafs, you got to look at the opportunity. And the Anaheim defense is pretty impressive. If they get all of their UF or RFA signed, you've got Lindholm, Vatnan, Fowler, Bieksa, Manson, Dupre, Clayton Stoner. These are all guys with NHL contracts. Yeah. So there's always injuries. And they say you don't lose your job to injury, but you do. Um, if... Simone Dupre gets injured and Shea Theodore comes in and starts playing like a top pairing defenseman for Anaheim this season. And don't be surprised if Anaheim says to Dupre, you just take your time healing. Just We're going to take it slow on you. No rush. Yeah, for sure. Because I guess they can't send him down without having him to clear waivers and all of that. Dupre, no. So I guess, okay, one more I'll throw out at you. Jacob Chikrun in Arizona. I've also heard his name come up as someone who might be able to make the team and do something this year. Yes. So... <laughs> After last summer's draft, um, they started looking ahead to the 216 draft, and Austin Matthews was the consensus number one, just ahead of Jacob Trickard. And as the season wore on, his draft stock fell because he didn't really develop very much in his draft year. He didn't regress, but he didn't progress. And that's something that scouts really want to see. They really want to see a steady progression year after year after year. So that being, and he didn't make the Canadian World Junior team, and he didn't play very well at the CHL Top Prospects game in, in Vancouver either. So those are all reasons why his his stock fell as low as it did. But Arizona's they know what they're doing. They traded up to get the pick to draft him, and he's going to reward them for it. He's been playing extremely well at training camp with Oliver Ekman Larson playing at the uh, the World Cup. So he's been playing top minutes with Connor Murphy in the top pairing position, playing twenty two plus minutes a game and not looking at a place and it's starting to look like he's leaving Arizona no choice but to keep him on the roster now Chikrin might not be a guy that offers you a whole lot of fantasy value in the first year because obviously Ekman Larson is going to be the number one defenseman when the regular season comes he'll be playing every game he'll be playing top minutes he'll be playing power play the checker just won't have the the opportunity uh, yet he just be cutting his teeth and getting his feet wet in the NHL as well, so they won't put that kind of pressure on him. But uh, he's definitely a player that could stick, and if you're in a keeper pool, he's certainly a player that you would want to stash away on your prospect or your bench. He'll also get you some of the uh, some of the greasy stats too. Lots of blocks, lots of hits, power play time, shots. He'll be a fantasy keeper for sure. 
Oh, cool. Yeah, in that case, that definitely ups his stock if he could give you the peripherals as well as some potential upside for offense. All right, so we've named a lot of defense, and I want to get to all the exciting forwards now, but let's uh, get your opinion. Of all the defensemen we've talked about, who do you think is going to lead rookie defensemen in scoring this season in the NHL? 50-50 between Provorov or Wierenski. Oh, yeah? Not Zaitsev? No. Oh, interesting. Yeah, uh, Zaitsev plays, again, the Toronto thing. (laughs) I'm a Leafs fan at heart, but uh, I just think that it's probably going to be Wierenski. I might have been more shocked there than I should have been because I just picked up Zaitsev in one of my leagues and so I was kind of hoping for a certain answer. (laughs) A little bit of bias there, Elon. Oh, well. Okay, let's go to the forwards now. We still have a lot of really exciting players to talk about. I guess we have to start in Winnipeg with Patrick Laine. We talked about Matthews. How can we not talk about Laine? You see people comparing him to really star players. Like I feel like it's almost not reasonable and it's kind of maybe just to get buzz going to say he's like going to be the next Ovechkin. But I guess people say that just because he scores goals, takes shots and hits. What do you see as Laine's upside for his career and also for this season? Uh, for this season, I would say his floor would probably be about 50 points. Oh, wow. Floor? Yeah. yeah. I'm a really big Patrick Laine fan. He is an electric player. He's a shooter. He's a goal scorer. He is a fantasy hockey all-star. Uh, he's going to get you lots of goals, lots of shots. He'll Not as many hits as Ovechkin, I don't think. Um, but uh, but he plays that kind of game. His his weapon is his shot, and his whole game revolves around his shot. He does everything to support that, to get open, find time, quick release. He throws hits to separate players from the puck so he can get the puck and shoot it. Um, so that's his game is all about scoring goals, and there isn't anything that drives fantasy hockey more than scoring goals. So, so many stats come off of, of goal scoring with shots and power play points and, and whatnot. So, you know, rebounds that lead to assists. So if I were picking in a draft and it was a prospect draft, I would pick Patrick Laine over Austin Matthews. Wow. Just because of the peripherals. And I guess also left-wing eligibility, those are a lot rarer than centers. Yeah. And you know, the center value offers more value to an NHL team, like uh, quote air quotes, real hockey, but that doesn't ring true in fantasy hockey. You win championships in the NHL with your centers and your goaltending. Um, you win fantasy hockey championships with goals. Yeah, so there you go, Patrick Laine. And as far as his situation goes in Winnipeg, is it pretty much a sure thing that he's going to be in the top six? I've been seeing rumblings that he's going to be on line two with Brian Little, while Ehlers, Shifley, and Wheeler will make up the top line? Yeah, I, I think it's a... A foregone conclusion that he'll play this season full-time in a top-six role in Winnipeg. And if it's the first line or the second line, I don't really think that matters very much because they'll probably roll both lines consistently, and then they'll have some sort of hybrid power play line, and he'll definitely see first-unit power play time, too. And I know this isn't exactly a prospects question, but sounds like if you think Patrick Laine is such a sure thing to get you at least 50 points, if not more, and he's a good goal scorer, that must be good for Brian Little as his center. <laughs> Maybe some assist, extra assists are going to come. Absolutely. Though I guess maybe Brian Little used to be on the top line playing with Blake Wheeler. So I guess it depends what you're comparing to. But definitely better than being on the second line, not with Patrick Laine and not with Wheeler. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Lots more players I want to ask you about. How much time do we have? Okay, I'll just go until you tell me to stop, okay? Okay. How about Dylan Strom over in Arizona? I think another guy who a lot of people are just assuming is going to have a top six role on his team. I see him currently plugged in as like the first or second line center. 
Do you think he could hold that position and also get 40, 50 points just like Line? I'm not sure that his offensive uh, ceiling is as high as Line's, either in a first year or long term. But I certainly think that he's got a first or second line center position in Arizona. Uh, like they've they've pulled the chair out for him. They traded uh, Antoine Vermette or bought him out, whatever it was, and uh, created a roster position. Um, and in an interview I heard with their uh, with their young GM, they asked him about that, and he said, "Yeah, we've got a lot of young prospects, and we're making room for them. And the ones that earn it will will win it. And uh, Strom has the pedigree." Uh, to win that position. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if he makes it as the second line center this season. And I would I would pencil him in around 40 points. Yeah, so right on the fringes of if he's a fantasy-relevant guy this year. Definitely someone to have on your watch list all season long if he's not owned. Yeah, this year on, on the fringe for sure. But if you're in a keeper pool, I mean, look at the trajectory that Arizona's on and all of the guns that they have on that team. Um, so you got to think that that's just, that's just going to go up exponentially right and also we have to assume at some point martin hansel is going to get injured he does it every year and so then that's going to open up a spot where they'll have to have dylan strome basically on the top line because if you look at their other centers who's there brad richardson i don't think that it's a stretch to see with hansel out which i i'd be so surprised if hansel plays a full season and with hansel out i don't see anyone else but dylan strome to play on the top power play and top line with like the likes of max domi and either verbata or duclair or someone pretty good It'll be one of their kids, for sure. Um, don't discount Christian Dvorak. Ah, so why don't we get into him, then, if you're mentioning him? What, what's his upside? <laughs> uh, his upside's pretty good, too. Um, he, I think he's not necessarily locked as a center in the NHL. He's a little bit more versatile, I think, than Strom. But uh, he played on London Knights' first line last year on their dominant drive to Memorial Cup, centering Matthew Kachuk and, uh, and Mitch Marner. And uh, I think he's got very, very similar upside to Strom. One of those two players will be the, the number two center. Dvorak has eligibility to play in the AHL because he's a year older, and Strom is either the NHL or back to the Erie Otters in the OHL. So I would be surprised if Strom didn't make it in the NHL this year. But if you're saying they have similar upside, definitely in a keeper league, if you're having a prospects draft, like you've said, I'd imagine you could get Dvorak a lot later than you would be able to get Strom. So maybe you could get better value if you think they're going to be close. That's right. And so th- what they could do is they could stash um, Dvorak in the AHL if they just don't have room on their big team for him. Um, and then if uh, Strom kind of fades out as the season progresses and grinds on, um, they could decide to send him back to junior to finish the year and then bring Dvorak up from the AHL where he'd been having some time adjusting to pro game. It's an exponential jump to go from junior to the AHL and then another big jump to go from the AHL into the NHL. So that would be advantageous for Dvorak to spend some time in the AHL adjusting. So it sounds like another guy who, even if he doesn't make the team, you should have your eye on him because if he gets called up, he might be called up and brought into a really prominent role right away. So you want to jump on him as soon as that happens, depending how deep your league is. All right, how about we go to Colorado now? Got to talk about Miko Rantanen, who I guess is injured currently, and I am actually in a league in the Cacupful, the Keeping Carlson Ultimate Patron Fantrax League. We have a rule set where you can't pick up a free agent that's injured because we didn't want people to just pick up people just to stash them in their IR. But he's a guy I kind of am interested in, and I guess I'm kind of giving away my secrets right now. But I was thinking of picking him up when I had another player get injured and I had an open spot, but I can't grab him. 
I've been seeing that he might get a spot in the top six on Colorado, and there's potentially some good line mates for him to play with, depending on where McKinnon and Landeskog and Duchesne end up. But is there a chance that Ranton could end up playing with one of those guys and then putting up some decent points this season? I think it's pretty much a lock. He came out of the draft last year and played his nine games in the NHL, and they decided that he needed some adjustment time in the AHL. So they sent him down to their AHL affiliate where he dominated. He won the Rookie of the Year there. I think uh, he's proven that he's he's too good for the AHL, and he's ready to play in the NHL. His injury is, is not very significant, if my memory serves me correctly, and he sh- could should be back for the start of the season. So not having a, a full training camp and, and whatnot could be a disadvantage for him, but uh, I still think that he's got enough skill to play in a top-six role for Colorado immediately to start the season. And he'll play there the whole entire season, riding shotgun with, with either Nate McKinnon or Matt Duchesne. No, no bad choice there, right? Yeah, for sure. That would be amazing. I guess McKinnon could play right wing, or at least he has right wing eligibility. But I guess, yeah, it makes more sense to play him as center, considering the next best option at center would be John Mitchell or Mikhail Grigorenko. <laughs> Definitely want to have... Oh, Carl Soderberg, maybe? Okay, so who knows what they'll do. But it sounds like you're pretty confident that Ranton's going to have a good line mate. Yep. He'll also get you the peripheral stats, too. He's a big guy. He plays a power forward game. He'll get you lots of hits. Oh, very interesting. All right, so let's just get more names out of you. Uh, how about Edmonton, Puliarvi? I saw recently that he might not even make the team. Is that the case? And what do we think he can do this year if he does make the team? Yeah, there's a possibility that he starts the season in the AHL, but I think that would be short-lived, um, maybe a couple weeks, maybe a month. And he's talented enough that he'll get drafted up. Uh, into the NHL. An interesting story, I, I was at the draft and I was listening to an interview with Pete Chiarelli after the first round and he was talking about Jesse Pugliarvi and one of the reporters asked him if if he'll be the Yari Curry to Connor McDavid's mm. Gretzky. I like that. Mm-hmm. And so does Chiarelli. He couldn't not grin like the Cheshire cat to that question. And you could see that he was trying to be professional and, and not smile like he just won the fantasy draft. But he couldn't. He just smiled and nodded and said, yeah, there's, there are some similarities there. So I'm not sure if that's going to be this year. Uh, I noticed in the McKean's yearbook that uh, they listed him as the number three overall prospect. But in the Calder article, they ranked him in the 20s. So I asked Gus what the, what the difference was in our interview with him on our show. And uh, while he thinks that... Uh, the impact that a player like William Nylander might have this season because he's more established, he's an older player, he's got experience in the AHL and the NHL, he could have a, a, a better season this year. In a one-year league, I would choose Nylander over Pugliarvi, but the impact that Pugliarvi will have for the Oilers over Nylander for the Leafs, you know, looking long-term, or if you're in a keeper pool, then you definitely want to take Pugliarvi or Yari Curry. Uh, mm-hmm over Nylander. Though it's interesting because I thought that Jordan Everly is supposed to be the Yari Curry. Like, uh, everyone's been talking about how the top line on Edmonton is going to be McDavid, Lucic, and Everly. Do you think at some point Pugliarvi is going to bump one of those guys? Uh, who knows, right? Yeah. I mean, that, that's the line that, that Edmonton has been rolling in the preseason and they're experimenting with, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Neil Yakupov made some, uh, got some face time on a line with McDavid because they played together last year before McDavid blew out his shoulder and... Lo and behold, Nail Yakupov started scoring at about a point per game rate. 
So Edmonton might look at that experiment as an opportunity if you know if they're truly interested in trading him. Right now his trade value is really low. But if you put him on a line with McDavid and he starts scoring a, a goal a game, all of a sudden some general managers might start calling and saying, hey, he's still looking to trade that Neil Yakupov fellow. So the lines, who knows what, what they'll be. You can't predict. They, they change in-game most of the time. But Edmonton has got so many... So many players. Another prospect that they have in the forward ranks that's really stood out this preseason is Drake Kajula. He's another NCAA uh, unsigned free agent or undrafted free agent that Edmonton signed. Um, there was the Kajula sweepstakes, and uh, earlier in the summer, Edmonton signed him up, and uh, he's been dominating for them in the in the preseason, scoring a bunch of goals. He pushes the pace of the play. He's very, very mobile and agile. Not a not a very big guy, and he might not play the whole season in the AHL, NHL. He might split some time in the A, but uh, he's a, he's another prospect to watch if you're in uh, a deeper league and, and you've got a roster spot that you can store a player on. Yeah, okay, so lots of potential guys on Edmonton. I definitely didn't have Neil Yakupov on my radar, that's for sure. But it's funny, I, I was going to say, do you give credit to Yakupov or to McDavid for those points? But I guess it doesn't really matter, because if they put him with McDavid just to try to up his trade value, that's good for Yakupov's short-term fantasy value. Sure, I mean, I've kind of written off Yakupov as well. He's not really on my radar either, but he is a first overall pick. So he's got that going for him. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a proven scorer at at the junior level, uh, Edmonton just maybe rushed him into the NHL too, too much too soon. Uh, there seems to be this sort of unwritten rule that if you're the first overall pick, you must play in the NHL immediately, which I think is not necessarily a good idea. Case in point, Nelly Akapov. Yeah, for sure. Reminds me of Alexander Degla from back in the day. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, I won't get into that. I guess, we should, <laughs> I guess we should get into kind of like a lightning round here since I've already taken up so much of your time. I'm going to throw some names at you. Maybe you could just give me a quick summary point projection. Sebastian Aho over on Carolina. Is he going to be on the top line playing with like Toivo Teravainen and Elias Lindholm? Yeah, Sebastian Aho is a, a very, under, very underrated, under-the-radar prospect uh, in a lot of circles. He went undrafted in his first draft year, had a tremendous season last year, ended up getting drafted the, the next season by Carolina in the second round. And then last year, he had a breakout year playing pro hockey in, uh, in Finland and was dominant at the World Juniors in a line between uh, Pugliarvi and Patrick Laine. Looked outstanding in the World Championship, playing against men just recently. He's ready to play in the NHL, and I think he's pretty good for 40, 45 points. Oh, that's significant. Yeah. That's definitely worth having on your watch list, if not on your team. How about in Columbus? I guess we were already there to talk about Wierenski, but let's go back to talk about Oliver Bjorkstrand. He came in, had a really good short stint in the NHL last season. I saw in Roto World actually earlier this week that he was having a weak preseason, which surprised me. But then yesterday he had a golden assist in a preseason game. I don't want to put too much stock in all of that, but just to say he's been on my mind a little bit. What do you think he can do this season? Yeah, I think he's pretty good for 35, 40 points. Uh, he, he, he showed in the AHL playoffs last year carrying... Uh, Lake Erie all the way to the Calder Cup as well that, uh, that he's ready to play at the next level uh, so I think he's he's pretty much a lock to make the team too Alright cool and I think you're going to say this guy also has a good chance to make his team Pavel Zasha over in New Jersey 
I think he'll make the team. The question is, do you think there's a possibility he could end up playing with Taylor Hall? Um, yeah, you know, Pavel Zak is another player that's pretty underrated. I, I think he's uh, he's another one of those big multi-cat power forward kind of players. He'll get a lot of hits, a lot of shots. I'm not sure how many points he can score playing in New Jersey this year, but uh, and, and as a rookie, but I think he should be good for 30 to 40 points. And actually, I should have mentioned this next guy before when we were talking about Bjorkstrand, because also on Columbus, we have Pierre-Luc Dubois, who was, you know, surprisingly picked ahead of Pugliarvi. A lot of people were surprised that Columbus picked him instead of Pugliarvi, letting Edmonton get this, you know, winning the draft type of player. Do you think that Columbus made a mistake? And like, what do we think he can do? No, I think the thing with Columbus taking Dubois over um, Pugliarvi was, as I mentioned earlier, the the positional bias between centers and wingers, I think. He's a center, so he offers Columbus more value. And then Pugliari is he's a he's a winger, uh, so that, I think that's why they they picked him. I'm not convinced that Pierre Luc Dubois is, is ready to play in the NHL yet. I'm pretty sure he's going to head back for another season in junior, and there is nothing wrong with that. Unless you're in a one year league, I would steer clear of Dubois. But uh, if you're in a keeper league and you want to draft Dubois and stash him on your prospect bench, that's a great idea. I think he will. If you're patient, and you can sit on him for a year, maybe two, you'll uh, you'll reap the benefits in time. But for a one-year league, don't draft. Okay, that's good to know. Uh, okay, two more guys, and then maybe I could ask you if you have a, a final guy. I Actually, one other defenseman I forgot that I wanted to bring up, Essa Lindell over in Dallas. Is there any chance that he can make the team? Obviously, he's not going to get on the top power play. That is John Klingberg's job. But is there anything that we can expect from Essa Lindell? I'm not sure if he's got a lot of fantasy value in this year but i know that the dallas stars are just in love with this guy and he uh he had a great season in north america playing in the ahl with texas last year so i think he's got fantasy relevance i'm just not sure if it's going to translate this year or not um he could very well play games in the nhl but i'm not sure he's going to play the whole the whole 82 game schedule with uh with dallas all right and then let me finish it off with Travis Konechny over in Philadelphia. He definitely caught my attention when I saw that he was playing on a line with Claude Giroux and Braden Shen in a recent preseason game. Then Voracek was on the second line, I guess, with Reed and Couturier. I guess Simmons wasn't playing that day, so I don't know how much weight we could put into those lines. But anything out of Travis Konechny? Yeah, Konechny's a player I'm I'm still not sure what to expect from him at the NHL level. I see so much of his game that I think translates really well to the NHL. He's a he's a dynamic player. He's got great skating. He's got a tremendous ability to shoot the puck. He's not a very big player, but he's not small. He's just more short than big. Um, he's strong. He plays a rambunctious style, though. And watching him play in junior a few years ago, I was talking to an NHL scout about him, and he said that Konechny's not even on their radar in his draft year. And that I, you know, I kind of took me aback, and I asked him to elaborate. And he said, well, he's a great player, but what good is a great player that's always injured? Mm-hmm. And he has missed the last two OHL playoffs with shoulder injuries. Uh, so there is a red flag on, on the Konechny file, but at the same time, he's, he's such an enticing player. Um, I, I really like the, I really like the kid too. I like to cheer for him. Uh, and just that comment that that scout made has, has really stuck with me. I'm like, that is a good point. If he can stay healthy, he'll be great. 
Yeah, you know what? That kind of reminds me of Bo Bennett, who was on Pittsburgh, and we kept on thinking that he might get the opportunity to play with Crosby or Malkin and have an impact. He just always got injured whenever he got that chance. I guess it's maybe going to be the same type of guy. Hopefully not the same, because now no one's talking about Bo Bennett, and now he's on New Jersey. Yeah. All right, so I guess that's my list of players. Maybe there's some people listening to the show thinking, oh, Elon, why didn't you ask about this one guy? So I'll make it so they can be mad at you instead of me. Is there any other player that you think I've missed that could potentially have an impact in the NHL this season? Sure, I'll give you, I'll give you three more. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, there's, uh, I think there's a tremendous opportunity in Chicago. Chicago has got their cat problems, and they keep having to you know, force players out of the organization for cap problems and relying on young players. And they have two prospects that are coming out of the NCAA that have signed their pro contracts that played a little bit in the AHL last year, played at the world championship with team USA. Uh, It's Tyler Mott and Nick Schmaltz. They're 21 and 20 years old each. And uh, one of those guys I believe is going to play on the line with Jonathan Taves this year. And uh, Tyler Mott He's the underdog out of the two, but they're both prolific goal scorers at college level. Um, however, Mott is a better all-around player. He plays a more two-way game, and I think that'll resonate with Quenville. Plus, Mott has been having a exceptional preseason as well. Follow Tracy Myers on Twitter. Look at her timeline. She is uh, she's tooting his horn pretty hard. So those are two two names that I would uh, take a look at if you're, if you're in a draft coming up and you've got a late pick and you're looking for a prospect you can roll the dice on. Another player um, that's having a tremendous preseason is Danton Heinen with the Boston Bruins. A lot of people were really excited for Frank Vitrano this season with good reason. He scored at a goal per game pace in the AHL last year. I'm not sure if you're familiar with his file, but he's an undrafted player that Boston signed as a free agent as well. Um, scored nine goals in about 30 games in the NHL last year. Uh, so everyone's expecting big things from Frank Trano, but he's injured. Uh, he, he's not coming back anytime soon. So that opens up a spot. And Danton Heinen has been lighting the lamp for the Bruins in the preseason. And there's a lot of articles about how great he's playing as well. So uh, that's a player that is worth investigating for your upcoming drafts as well, or as a free agent signing maybe. Interesting. Yeah, I guess with Boston, it just seems to me like I don't see where there would be room for a prospect like Heinen to to make the top six. Like I see like Bergeron, Marshawn, Bacchus, Krejci, and then you have like Bolesky and Spooner potentially could get into the second line, and then David Pasternak also. Well, yeah, I think you're not looking at a top six role, but I think what a lot of teams are going to try to do is uh, duplicate the mold that Pittsburgh demonstrated when it's a copycat league, right? One team wins the NHL and everyone wants to do what they did. Mm-hmm. And what Pittsburgh did was they won with uh, speed and, and scoring depth. They had three lines that they could roll out, one with Kessel, one with Malkin, and one with Crosby. So even on a third line these days in the NHL, um, like, you know, the 100-point days are, are long gone. 70 points is a tremendous season. 60 points is, is very good. So the scoring is going to be more balanced throughout the roster's uh, for the immediate future, I think. So if you look at their centers in Boston, Bergeron, Krejci, probably Bacchus. Um, and then you got your wingers. You've got Marchand, Pasternak, Spooner, Bolesky. And then it starts to get pretty thin after that. Jimmy Hayes, Seth Griffith. There's, I think there's certainly an opportunity on a third-line role there. 
Interesting. Yeah, I guess it worked for the Penguins. So maybe there could be some third line players that we have to start paying attention to in fantasy. Wow, this has been great. We've covered so many players. Thank you so much. Okay, so people who are listening, let's say they have some follow up questions. Is the best way to get in contact with you to just tweet at you? Yeah, probably. You can reach me on Twitter, P Harling, um, Farling. Uh, mm-hmm. And I also, uh, I also monitor the, the Dauber Prospects Twitter account as well. And then there's also the Dauber Prospects podcast. Don't worry about it. If you listen to Keeping Carlson and then you want to listen to also Dauber Prospects, we won't mind. Like, definitely you should go there because they know all about prospects. And definitely Peter Harling has shown that he knows what he's talking about. So people should definitely check that out. I guess you could just search on iTunes or, or wherever. Is there a website also? We post the episodes on Dauber Prospects as a feature item. Um, but yeah, please, we are on all your regular podcasting, um, iTunes, SoundCloud, etc. And it's uh, Dauber Prospect Radio. So please give us a listen, subscribe, and most importantly, give us a five-star review. Oh yeah, of course. Hey, while you're there, while you're there, give us a five-star review also. <laughs> Wouldn't hurt. Thank you so much for joining us, Peter. This has been amazing. We definitely have to have you back at some point to maybe recap some of these players we talked about and also just we got to make this an annual thing at the very least i would be very happy to come back anytime you want me but thanks so much for having me on it's been a blast awesome thanks okay have a good night you too